Hey guys, good morning. Uh, it's good to see you guys here today. Thank you for setting your clocks forward. I see some people didn't. Uh, we'll see them, I guess, maybe at the next service or the 1115, I guess. I don't, I don't know, but uh, you guys were paying attention and you know what's going on, so you set your clocks forward. Way to go. Bravo, bravo. Your pastor loves you. Thank you for doing that. And, you know, I, I was thinking yesterday, man, uh, everything is just setting itself up to be a, a crazy day at church. You know, the ACC tournament was yesterday, and it's going to be raining, and the time changed. Lord, have mercy. Uh, is anybody going to be at church? But you guys are here, and God bless you for it. If you have your Bible with you, open it up or turn it on. Go to the New Testament book of Colossians. Chapter 3, today we're going to look at verses 18 through chapter 4, verse 1. Also, uh, take out your message notes, and uh, we're going to dive in this morning pretty quickly. Today we're going to learn how to have a next level, Christ's most controversial passages, passages of Scripture in the entire Bible. And just to say it, this passage of Scripture is a stumbling block for men and women I would say women in particular, and you'll understand that right off. Of course, you're looking at the scripture text right now. Some of you are smiling. And uh, it's also one of those passages that can make skeptics more hardened in their skepticism toward the Bible because it would be a challenge. One of the things that I like about teaching through a book of the Bible is that you have to deal with the passages that come up. And to be honest with you... If you're doing a topical series on something, this, this is a passage that m- most people would just avoid because, again, it can be so controversial, but we're not going to avoid it. We're going to deal with it head on. I want you to understand it and know what Paul is talking about here in God's Word. Let, let me hear about it, and then throughout the message, I'll unpack it. Sound good? All right. Everybody still with me? What's the deal with the red Solo cups today? They have those out in the coffee area. That's cool. It's cool. Makes you think of spring and summer, doesn't it? All right, never mind. My Adderall hadn't kicked in. Hopefully it will soon. Here we go. Paul says, Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Now, ladies, if I didn't have your attention before, I have it now, right? Wives, and do not be harsh to them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Then he goes back to fathers. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. And then as he starts chapter 4, Paul says, Masters, provide uh, your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Lord, have mercy. 
What, what do you do with a passage of Scripture like this? This just does not go in a 21st century culture, right? But I think if you'll give me just a, a few minutes to sort of put this into context, just, just to let you know what's going on in the Roman world when Paul writes this passage of Scripture, I, I, I think you'll understand it a lot better. When Caesar Octavian became the emperor in Rome in 29 BC, Rome was in shambles. So it's been ever since the Senate assassinated Julius Caesar. There, there is division throughout the Roman Empire, and I mean the Roman Empire was huge at this time. The division everywhere, civil war uh, is, is rampant. And honestly, most of the Romans wondered if... Rome could survive at, at all. It was very weak, and so it was vulnerable to its enemies. Well, that's when General Octavian stepped in, and he stopped the fighting. And the Senate realized that this guy may be the guy today to affirm him as the emperor. They also gave him a title that's reserved only for the gods, Augustus. Caesar Augustus. Now, now listen. He, well, I mean, he's a politician, and politicians make promises, right? That's not a trick question. They make promises, right? Okay. So Octavian made some promises. He promised the people three basic things. Security. It wasn't enough that you had a, a great economy you had to have an army that could protect you, and the army seemed divided and weak. So Octavian says, listen, I'm a general. I can handle the military part. I'll give you security. I'll, I'll give you safety. I can handle this. The second thing he promised them was prosperity. Again, they have this huge country. It's falling apart. They have a huge, enormous economy, and it's floundering. So, so. Octavian says, listen, I'll bring back prosperity to the Roman Empire. And the third thing he promised them was order, stability. And now they are so unstable that the people aren't sure if, if order could ever be restored. But he says, I'll give you safety, security, prosperity, and order now. now. One of the things we know, and it's not a new thing, this is not a 20th or 21st century thing. But we know that the fabric of any nation depends on the family structure. You've heard that before, right? So goes the family sir, in that nation. Octavian knew it too. And he knew that if he was going to be able to bring security and prosperity and order back to the Roman Empire, that he had to start with the most basic building blocks in society, the family, the home. So he set out to reform domestic life in Rome. He wanted to create a new kind of family. Now, Octavian's idea of family is nothing like our idea of family. When we think about family, we think about two loving parents, two and a half home. 
you know, whether it's reality or not, we, we, we think of it this way, that it's encouraging, it's loving, it's a nurturing place. But Octavian had something very different in mind when he began to restructure the family in the Roman Empire. And in, in Octavian's mind, in his philosophy, a Roman family had four parts. There's a mom, there's a dad, there's children, and there are slaves. One disclaimer. Because slaves are considered a part of the Roman family structure, that might give you the wrong idea about where slaves fit in in society. Because I've heard people teach from this passage before, and they sort of glaze over this slavery part. Like, oh, well, see, they're a part of the family structure. So, I mean, it's not slavery like we know it. Well, it is different. I'll explain that a little more later. But let me tell you something. The only people who say something like, well, slavery back then, that couldn't have been. It doesn't matter if we're talking about 350 B.C., or the 16th century or 17th century in North America. A slave master is a slave master is a slave master. A slave is a slave is a slave is a slave. Don't get the wrong idea that these were somehow just treated like family pets. They were considered slaves. Okay. Still with me? Have you ever said or thought something like this maybe annual or, or maybe when you had kids man I wish these kids came with a manual well in Rome they did Augustine had his government establish codes for the family to live by there were manuals for how to manage the household there were laws that were passed that established roles for fathers and mothers and children and slaves As a part of this new structure, Octavian established the father as the absolute leader in the family. Keep this in mind. Emperor, savior, and he also considered himself to be the father of the Roman Empire. And so what his idea was that I need to replicate myself in the family life in Rome. So I want all of the the father's which is the father was determined as the oldest male non-slave in the family. I want the father in that home to be a dictator in the home like I order. And he believed everything depended on the role of the father. And again, laws were passed that made sure that the father dominated the family structure. For example, the father owned everything. There was no idea of um, joint custody of children. There's no concept in the Roman world, at least in the ancient Roman world, where things are owned jointly by the husband and the wife. No, no, no. The father owned everything and, and everyone. He could practically do anything he wanted to anyone in his family. He could sell them. He could kill them. He was the dictator. Now, children in that culture were not considered to be persons. 
So in the Roman world, there's no sense of being concerned about children and their education and their welfare and their emotional or physical health and stability. I mean, children were looked at as future laborers. We've seen in, uh, in Europe and America, their brand of slavery came through conquest. So whenever they went out and expanded the Roman Empire, they would take over nations and tribes of people, and they would capture many of those people, sometimes by the thousands, bring them back to Rome and auction them off as slaves. The slaves were really considered the booty that um, uh, the, the spoils of the war. This is what kept the legionnaires and the soldiers happy. They could make their own fortunes by 40 and 60% of the Roman Empire at this time were slaves. Conquest slavery drove their economy. It kept everything going. Okay, still with me. This is the kind of world, this is the kind of society and culture that Paul was writing to. This was their mindset. It was the mindset for people outside of the church. It was the mindset for this home church that this system had been in place for 75 plus years before Paul wrote the letter to Colossae. So this is ingrained in them. This is This is who they are, and no one questioned it. The only people who had a right to question it are the men. Ladies, do you think they're going to question this? No, they've got life set up the way they want it. So if you're Paul or another Christian pastor during this time, how do you deal with these as a dictator in the home and a mother being so subversive and um, uh, children not thought of as people and slavery. How do you deal with this when you know the family structure is wrong and that slavery is, is wrong? Very carefully. Listen, you and I don't understand life and death Christianity because our life and our liberty is, is, is not in doubt or in question because of our faith. It was absolutely the issue then. Remember, Paul is in prison to preach against the family structure, which includes the father, the mother, the children, and the slaves. Had he done that, it would be, it would be over for Paul. It would be over for any pastor because the Roman Empire would look at at Paul or whoever the Christian pastor might be, as an enemy of Rome who's trying to destroy the Pax Romana, the Roman peace. But he does deal with it. And I think in a pretty powerful way. Roman structure and system. So he didn't try to do that. What he wanted to do is change the mindset and the relationships inside the families who are inside the church. 
See, he didn't have a voice to the world. He had a voice and authority to the people in the church world. And I don't know if Paul had the, the big picture in mind, but certainly the Lord did. Christ-centered. And I'm going to show you what that looks like. If you can get a family to live this way, other families, maybe not the dads at first, but other families are going to see this as a better family structure and then it will spread. Let me just, let me tell you this. Everywhere the gospel is preached and followed and lived out, family structures like this go away. Any slavery goes away. Paul gives four instructions that changed the family life situation in Colossae. And these are four instructions that can change our lives too and change the families. And, and listen, before, before I give you that, before I give you that, I want you to look at me. Look, look. If you will not let today be just any old Sunday where you just kind of, kind of here, but you know, okay, I'm going to soak this in. It'll change your life. It'll change your family life, no matter what your family structure looks like. Even if you're the only one doing it, you don't have to have everybody in the family on, on board because Paul knew that he was writing to, to people in, in the church. There'd be single men there, Single women, not, not too many, but there would be some. But there would be men who have become Christians, but their wives have not. There would be wives. But these are things that will change your life, no matter what the situation is. So I want you to, I want you to lean in. I want, you to, I want you to let the Lord speak to you. Four instructions. Write these down. Here's the first one, the, the, the first key. Paul addresses women, and he says, Wives, submit to your husbands. Wives, submit to your husbands. And when Paul says this, he does not mean that the wife should obey everything her husband says. Guys, I'm saying that she should just blindly agree with every decision that's made. And listen, this does not somehow infer that in the created order of things, the male is dominant. That's not Christian. Listen, that's Aristotle. That's Greek philosophy. For, for, for many of us, we know more. We, we may not realize it's Aristotle, but we know more about what Aristotle says about the family structure than we know about what the Scriptures say about the family structure. This has nothing Paul uses for submit. means to have... And to show respect. This is a matter of respect. Now notice in the second part of verse 18, Paul says, Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Oh, oh my goodness, what, what does this mean? Well, I'll tell you, it's not what the Roman men wanted to hear. 
What the Roman men wanted was for Paul to prop up and support the system that they already have. But, but he doesn't do that. Seems subtle to us, but it was not so subtle to them. The, the Colossians, they completely understood what Paul was doing. He's countering the Roman way of life. He's going against the grain of society and culture by saying that when a wife, listen, when a wife shows respect to her husband, it is because Jesus is her Lord, not the husband and not the Roman Empire. That's huge. That's huge. And did you notice that normally, normally a, a speaker, a writer would never address women. It would always be spoken to or written to the men. But look at the pronouns that Paul uses here. He doesn't give this message to the husbands to then pass down to the families. Paul speaks directly to the wives, directly to the husbands, directly to the children, directly to the slaves. In fact, he has more to say to the slaves than anybody else. Unheard of. To know that being submissive, showing respect for your husband is not something that a man does to his wife. This is something that a woman does for her husband. Do you see the difference? She's willingly, because Jesus is her Lord, being Submissive. Let me offer just a couple words of advice. Husbands, your wife and your children, they're looking to you for leadership. They want you to be a leader. They, they crave it. So give them a godly husband and father to follow. Not a perfect one. There's no such thing. And ladies, a, a lot of times men become passive in the home because when they try to lead, there's resistance. See, it's one thing for the children to be resistant because, you know, children get to an age where they just get rebellious and they resist everyone. That, that's one thing. If you want your husband to be a better man, a better leader, then work on being a better follower. Show him respect. Encourage him. He will, most of the time, live up or down to your expectations. And don't do it because you have to. Do it because Jesus is Lord in your life. Here's key number two. Husbands, love your wife. Husbands, love your wife. Remember that in Roman society, the father had all the power, all the authority, and all the... Up, up this system where the, the man is dominant in the home. Look at how he addresses the men. He, he doesn't call them um, paterfamilia, the great father of the family... He calls them husbands. How did he refer to the women? As wives. 
He just put, listen, he just put men and women on equal footing. That never happened. Here's the kicker. In the Roman world, there was no expectation for a husband to love his wife. Her main job was to have babies for the family, boys in particular. Now, if the husband loved her, that's a bonus. But it was, it was expected and perfectly normal for a Roman man to have a wife and kids and have a love affair outside of the home. That's just the way it worked. And so you can see the problems here. Love becomes just as empty a word in their culture as it's become in our culture. But the Bible, listen to me, from one end to the other explains what love ought to look like between a man and a woman, between a husband and a wife. And I, I don't have time to give you everything, but I, I want to give you just, just a few things here. Husbands who love their wives don't make demands. Kick stuff around and say to the staff, do you know who the lead pastor is around here? I'm not the leader. When a boss has to come in somewhere and start beating his chest or her chest and, and ex- expressing to everyone, I'm the leader, they're no longer leading. And the same is true in the home. I mean, if you have to come in and dominate everybody in your leadership style, you're not the leader. You may have the position, but that's it. Instead, a loving husband encourages his wife and empowers her to become all that God has created her to be. See, the more a husband practices the love of Colossians 3.19 toward his wife, the more Christ-like they both become, which is the point. And men, I'm just going to tell you, the most unfortunate thing about our culture today is that men are no longer told that we're dangerous and that that's who God created us to be. And it's okay to be dangerous, but you have to be controlled danger. Our culture has emasculated us. Out of control, frustrated, and disenfranchised with family life. Men can't be men. Remember, God created men. And so when you start talking about love and not making demands and not overpowering, men look at that and go, that's a bunch of sissy stuff. Wrong. Men, listen, Paul did not say love your wife if she submits to you. He just says love her. That of love that no woman can resist Give yourself totally and completely to her before she does anything for you. 
And after a while, no woman can resist a man who serves her and her children. I'm not sure it's appropriate to share, but I, I ran across a quote. You have to be careful when you start Googling this kind of stuff too, by the way. <sighs> but I found a quote where um, it, was a, it was an older lady. I can't recall her name, but she used to write a column and uh, she remarked in an article she had written that there's nothing sexier than a man standing behind a vacuum. Harsh. harsh means bitter. Now, don't, don't raise your hand on this, but, but ladies, is your husband bitter? Because one of the biggest reasons that men become bitter is because they don't feel respected. And those ill feelings turn to bitterness and then... We withdraw from the family until we finally just lash out. And then I'll tell you this, just from my own experience, we have to learn to respond to what we feel like is a lack of respect with unconditional love. You just have to love whether you feel respected or not. Can I just get a big amen on this one? Amen. Amen. Remember... In this culture, children were not people. They were property. It had never occurred to people that children are people. Again, fathers in particular could do anything they wanted to with their children. And and when this letter was read to the church meeting in Colossae, there's, there's men and women, husbands and wives, some are older. All of them have been someone else's children, and, and more than likely, they have all been abused because of this whole family structure that they have. And, and listen, this is probably a bigger deal in the Colossian church for, for older children and their lack of care and compassion for older parents. Because these men and women now in their 20s and 30s, they're looking at parents that are in their 50s and 60s, and they don't see someone who raised them and nurtured them and loved them and had their, their well-being and their healed all their lives until they finally got out. This would have to be taught to the younger children. Paul's talking to the older children. And he says, this can't be like Kilimanjaro here. You've got to show respect. Not that the person was respectful, but you show them respect and honor. Paul did not say... um, or even authority. Instead, Paul says, Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. I believe that Paul is saying that being obedient and respectful to our parents is our responsibility to the Lord, just like our worship is. And this obedience and respect doesn't end when you leave the home. It's something that we do all of our lives and then finally key number four 
Paul says, treat everyone with honor and respect. And I worded it this way because we don't have slaves. But we do have relationships with other people. People that are outside of the family unit. Outside of mom, dad, and the kids. But this is where Paul turns to masters and slaves. And again, let me just restate that Paul does not have the power to change the structure of things in Rome. But he can undermine it. He can subvert this structure in the Christian church. And that's exactly what he does. And he does this by changing the nature of the relationship between masters and slaves. He says, because, gosh, I cannot overstate this. He's talking to the slaves. He's talking to the slaves. You just don't do it. Obey your earthly masters in everything and do it, not only when their eyes on you, to curry favor. Don't just be a suck up when they can see you. But with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. I think that has something to say to us as employees. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward... It is the Lord Christ you are serving. No expectation of having anything when they died. They're, they're a part of the family structure. But listen, they're no different than the mule. They're no different than an ox that pulls a cart. When that person dies, you throw them in a hole, cover them up. That's it. And Paul is saying you get an inheritance. Yeah, not from your earthly master, but from your true master, who is Jesus. So don't work for that master who treats you harshly like you're doing laundry from him or for him. Or you're working in his garden, his yard for him. He said, work in that garden, do that laundry, whatever that chore is, do it as if you're doing it to me. Now look at verse 25. We've got to move pretty quick here. They will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Favoritism between who? Slaves and masters. In other words, Paul is saying, listen, in the church, it's equal footing. In the book of Philemon, Philemon is a slaveholder. Onesimus is a runaway slave. He becomes a Christian under Paul's teaching, Paul sends Onesimus back to Philemon with a letter from Paul, and he says, except uh, Onesimus, who was a former slave and technically still a slave, accept him back into your home as a what? As a, be more against the ingrained culture than that. Paul's saying that in Christ, there is, there's not free and slave, barbarian and Scythian, Greek or Jew, Christ for all, Christ in all. In God's kingdom, there is no favoritism and no special status. And he says, he, he says in Colossians 4.1, Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know 
that you also have a master in heaven. Paul is saying, listen, you're not the master. I don't care what a familia system is in Rome. You are not the master. You have a master. His name is Jesus. He's keeping a record of rights and wrongs. He's watching you, and one day you will answer to the master. We all will. Let's stand together. I want to pray with us. Just, just once you're standing, bow your head, close your eyes. And l- let me say once more, one day we will all stand before the Lord. We will all give an accounting for the way we treat other people. For how we treat our wives. Whether we embitter our children or not. Wives, you'll give an accounting as to whether or not you show honor and respect. Children, all of us are someone's child. We will be held accountable for whether or not we show honor and respect to our parents. We are all accountable that we show people, not just in our own family structure, but outside of that family structure. Right now, my prayer is I I just want to pray over your family, my family, families that are represented in this room, families that are falling apart, families that are struggling. And I'm going to pray that they become Christ-centered, next-level families where mom and dad, the kids, whoever else is a part of that household live as though Jesus is Lord. Because Jesus, you are Lord. And right now I lift up every person in this room, every person, our own families. I pray for the families we represent, for those that are struggling. Lord, the wife who's here today that's ready to give up, the husband that's ready to give up. Maybe mom and dad are here together. Lord, for the the child that is an adult now who just has been hurt so much by parents. We pray for healing there. Lord, while we can't change every family in America or every family in North Carolina or every family in Charlotte Metro, we can change our own families by letting you be Lord. Jesus, you are Lord. I pray that you would reign as Lord in our homes. And those who agreed said, amen. God bless you. Thank you, your connection card, by putting your need, and we as a staff will be praying for you. Rock River Church, we hope you have a great week. God bless you, and we'll see you next Sunday.